1: savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place
2: Hello, everybody. You're welcome indeed to the Game on Sunday podcast and a new season of such. Michael Lester here with you. And uh, as I was last year, I am joined on the hurting side of things by Tomás Maccahy. Hello, Tomás. How are you keeping? Hello, Michael. How are you? Happy New Year to you. And you too? Looking forward to another big season? Oh, absolutely. Sure, to Ready to go, by all accounts, isn't it? We're ready for action. Oh, we're always ready for action. No worries about that. Um, we're also, folks, this year, delighted to be joined joined on the football side of things by Martin Carney, whom you all know, obviously, from his playing days and as a punter uh, in Gaelic Games and all that. Martin, thank you so much for being
0: with us. And how are you keeping in the West? i not a bother. i just kind of trying to kind of just batten down the hatches at the moment, waiting for the night storm. But... um. You know, we got we got lucky. I think on Sunday night, actually, that there wasn't more damage done down here. It was ah, pretty serious, but we're great. We're great. Lots to be thankful for. A hundred percent. Yeah, I remember
2: Martin, a couple of old Jimmy Mac, and going back maybe twenty years or more doing the Galway Rally and the weekend before the Rally, which was this time of the year. Um, it was like springtime. You'd be getting out of the car. And you were you were doing the preparations for it. And and just kind of enjoying the, the the bit of sunshine and the mild weather and all that. And cripes, the following weekend, the weekend of the rally, it was like argument. It was just unbelievable, kind of you know. Uh, so something's never change, you know. You can you can blame global warming or anything else you like, but the, the weather the weather was still the weather. Goes, oh. well, West <laughs> Ireland weather certainly is.
1: At least you're at least you're indoors in the car, Yeah 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 well unfortunately every now, i now not mean it. over the ditch or behind the ditch or something you were you were trying yeah
2: <laughs> anyway listen let's, move, let's talk him, how about that um I mean, before we look ahead to the season that's coming up uh i suppose we should reflect because the ga season has started already with uh, the club finals last weekend and uh two big games of course um they uh the Harding, I, I, I must say, well, both games were were great, but the Harding was really interesting because uh, it was such a cracker, to most, Uh This between St Thomas of the Galway and O'Loughlin Gaels, of course, from Kilkenny, and I, I guess it could have gone either way. There were, for me, Thomas, there were some absolutely fabulous scores, but I suppose the most fabulous score score was the one that uh, won the game
1: for Thomas's. Ah, uh, Michael, it was. I mean. Again, like, I, I woke up Sunday morning. And I said there'll be no matches played here anywhere today. You know? the club finals will go off, and uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine who was on his way to Crow Park for the football side of things, and they were struggling to get there. They were saying, "Will they ever make it?" Because uh, it was so bad. And uh, um, but I what's the big thing really it was like you have know, the high stands in Crow Park creates a bit of a win but. The big thing was the pitch, Michael. I think uh, anywhere else outside of Crow Park, if that match wouldn't be playable. Maybe Parky maybe maybe one or two others around the country, but uh, it wouldn't have been playable. And um, um, and it, it, it turned out to be a cracking afternoon, hurling and football. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the hurling side of it. Um, many, many, I think, major controversies in terms of talking points but like you've got to hand it about teams i mean they gave it their all it was incredible the endeavor the commitment the pride the club and the jersey that's what we like about club hurling, and that's what we like about the club all Ireland series and uh none so better than than last sunday in Crow park and um you mentioned st thomas's and the scores they got my god they were they were incredible and uh if you're a Lachlan Gales, Kenny, you'll be disappointed. They didn't have more on the board by half time. They probably were the better team. Um, they'll probably have, maybe Michael or Martin, you might come in on this one in terms of, might have a word in Hawkeyes here, because uh, to me, it was clearly the ball was over the line. You have uh, two umpires looking at this. There's the player line on the ground, but a ball in his hand, and it seems clearly he's over the line. So um, they will feel hard done by that. But look, to me, at the end of the day, I think St. Thomas's were deserving winners. The last 15, 20 minutes down to 14 and was an outstanding performance. And, uh, you mentioned those scores in a park. Uh, I think the one out underneath, yeah, the Hawker stand, as you mentioned, was just incredible. But he had one before that as well. I think he just picked the ball into his hand and he hit it without looking. That's he too. The balls were straight ahead of him and straight out of the bar. Fantastic scores and, uh, a great, great team performance by St. Thomas.
2: I suppose, Martin, seeing that uh, Tomás was bringing you in there, that we we should say, in fairness to all the officials in both matches on Sunday, it was an incredibly difficult job because it might be tough on the players and and spectators, but God almighty, the conditions weren't great for the officials either and, and difficult maybe to get some of those marginal calls at times.
0: Yeah, well, I thought in many respects, Michael, over the last two, you know, with the semi-final, particularly the Kilmacud game, And the GA got lucky, like how in the name of God that game was played and uh, that that All-Ireland semi-final, I'll never know. And last weekend too, again, it's interesting listening to the post-match comments from one or two of the Glen lads. They spoke just about the wind being in the vicinity of Hill 16. It seems that the remainder of the pitch, due to the high stands... It was possible to play football. And if you can recall it, there was an awful lot of very, very good kicking of the ball into the wind by both sides at different times. So, the most is perfectly right. Had that been played anywhere else, you know, had it been scheduled to be played anywhere else, it wouldn't have gone ahead, Michael. And again, like the hurling, I'd say credit to the players and to the officials. I thought the officials in the football, naturally, had more interest in that. I thought that he did a very, very good job of it. And top of that, I think if they both sets of players, I thought played with great sportsmanship and um they deserve great credit for the way they approached it in terms of the spirit, their character, and from the actual result point of view, congratulations to Glenn. But there'll be a lot of lot of lot of shall we say, sore heads and scratching heads in at Lone with St Bridges after that uh, defeat, because it was certainly a case of snatching defeat feet from the jaws of victory from their point of
2: view. Yeah, it was. The 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 two teams here, just to clarify for, for people, St. Bridget's uh, of Ruscommon and um, Wattie Grahams, of course, from Derry. And Wattie Grahams winning. Um, and from their point of view, you know, I was a neutral like, to the thing, you know. But you, St. Bridget's looked, during that first half, Martin, like they had they had that game by the throat. And and then just before half time the whole scenario changed, if you like. Uh but you couldn't you couldn't for me, you couldn't deny what he grades because after last year and the final and losing out and all that kind of stuff, in debatable circumstances as
0: well, you know, um fair play to them. No, no, fair use to them, you know, the character they showed and they display that Connor Glass gave, you know, when he was needed most in the second half, all of these those kind of combined to make it a winning performance. But you're right. Like, I mean, a couple of things like in the first half, Michael, correctly, um, St. Bridget's had the game, like the eight points to four up going into half time. And next thing out of nowhere, um, I think it was Joey McDermott got a goal on half time. They followed that up at a point. So from going in uh, four points down, Bridget's and uh, Waddy Grahams went in level. And as you know, I think, that goal on the halftime whistle was a key one from a, a Glenn point of view. And um, you look at the second half then, Michael, and you look at the weight, the whites count. Like Glenn simply couldn't kick the ball straight in the second half. They kicked the living whites altogether. And is against that, I think St. Bridges only shot two in the entire game. And to a degree, you feel, uh, you know, some sympathy for them in that their efficiency, there, shall we say, the display of the likes of uh, Ben O'Tar, who scored uh, I think it was three points and was instrumental in being involved in the goal in seven, that his display wasn't uh, rewarded with a winning performance but the character, the character that Glenn showed, the quality of the performance that um, midfielder Conrad Glass gave late in the game, I think it, you know, those two things in particular, I think probably made them the deserving winners of the day
2: I know, as I said to you, uh, as a neutral, you, you had to congratulate them, you know, after yes. the heartbreak of last year and all that kind of stuff. By the way, Wattie Graham's, for those of you who don't realize it, and I referenced Joe Bradley and his comments in the Sunday Independent, his article in the Sunday Independent uh, last weekend, who was explaining that Wattie Graham was a gentleman called Walter Graham, a Presbyterian from Northern Ireland, who in 1798, in the rebellion, decided to put him in his lot with the rebels. And for his troubles, he was arrested and he was hung on the ground, on the pitch, or what is now the pitch, of what he claims. But worse was to happen to him. Now, you think there could be too much worse happening to you than being hung. But he was then decapitated and his head was paraded around the local area by the British authorities and all that kind of stuff. So happily, we've moved on from those days
1: to things like uh, kicking a football or, or hitting a yeah, hockey ball or whatever. We have Michael. Um, um, what I'd say there was a few fellas last Sunday. Felt like doing something similar because um, <laughs> I, I go back. I go back um, uh, to the referee in terms of look. Yeah, and I do agree, Michael. It was a very difficult day, but. Um, the Saint Thomas sending off to me was 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 harsh. I didn't think I warranted the red card from where I was looking at from my coach, <laughs> cosy room, watching the television. I didn't think there was a uh, contact there. I didn't think there was a, a lifting of the elbow from the player to actually make contact. And what what kind of maybe upsets me on that is in terms of the first half there was a clear headbutt by one of the players, and I went, I went. On, on, on penalized. um, and then I go back to the point in terms of, and that's why I brought you into the equation, Martin, in terms of Hawkeye. I thought yeah. Hawkeye was able to actually determine when a ball, whether a ball was over the line or not.
0: No, it seems to us on that and again, uh, sorry for not bringing it up earlier, that it only kind of adjudicates on shots that are taken from outfield and whether they go over the post or inside the post or outside the post. But there doesn't seem to be a a a, a, a camera along the line to actually determine whether a ball has crossed the line or not. I, I haven't seen a camera actually adjudicating on a situation like that or being okay. used to, adju- a, 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 to adjudicate on a situation like that. But well, there is no doubt about it. Had there been one there last weekend, that goal, uh, that, um, Goals that didn't happen for O'Loughlins would have been allowed because would have been allowed. It, allowed yeah, look it the, wasn't yes. just an inch over the line; it was a good, a, a, a good, a, a good foot nearly over the line. It
1: was a good foot over the line with the, with, with the ball being held by the, by the defender, you know. So, look, yes. I mean, can't take away from the game, though. Look, I suppose these things happen in, in in matches, but the bigger the games, you you kind of feel and particularly in the likes of Pro Park, that this shouldn't happen, Michael. It's it's just just like losing by a pint, and you go back home that night, training all year. All the commitment that goes into it. And you'd be very upset and very annoyed about it, right? You know, but look, um, there were other incidents in the match as well. But look, as I said from the start, I can't take away from St. Thomas's. They, they, they were absolutely fantastic. And one thing that came to mind, I suppose, that for all Lachlan's were looking at it in terms of the game themselves. They'd been looking at it 15 against 14. And, you know, what do you do with the extra man? And at this, at this mm-hmm. time, um, I thought it was brilliant by, by St. Thomas's, uh, all keep the extra man way back in defense in their full back line. So what do, what do Thomases do? They start scoring from long range. They start putting yes. the ball. They didn't put the ball into the spare man. They didn't give him the opportunity to be the sweeper, to clean up. So some of that point taking was just incredible. And Aina Burke and David Burke and all these guys, gee, they, they were a joy to watch. And I think it's, it's a great boost for Galway Hurling because the physicality that they brought to the game was, both teams, was second to none. The shoulder charges the hurling the hooking the blocking the physical strength uh, was was matched by the quality of hurling as well and it was a joy to watch I must say
0: yeah but equally in the football Moss there was a great a, 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 you know, a number of man-to-man contests. It wasn't all about uh, systems. It wasn't all about structure. There was some great kicking of the ball. And, I, would uh, you know, one of these advocates would love to see more and more kicking of the ball. But I'd just like to, in that context, refer to this in Bridget's goal. The goal was set up by Paul McGrath with one of the most deathly weighted t- passes I've seen in football in a long time. He definitely just put it over the quarterback's head into a running Benno Carl who kind of just laid it on a plate for, um, for the, uh, the, the, the his teammate to flick it into the net. And the other thing, Mike, do you remember when we were youngsters? We used to play football in the street and we used to have a fly goalkeeper. You yeah. know, a, a goalie would kind of go anywhere. But... I see. Yeah, we have those in the modern game as well, no, Martin. What this is the point I want to freak up. We we certainly have. And if you look at the goal that um, uh, Connor Glass got on Sunday, um, in the circumstance Cormac he who's the um, the uh, St. Bridget goalie, and who's so brave and so good with so many of his kickouts, and um, he lost his bearings for that goal because he was about twenty meters out from goals when the move started, and he was back peddling. He wasn't set and he was somewhat unbalanced when Conor when um, Connor Glass took the shot. And the shot came at a level, I thought, that would have been savable had he been kind of set and prepared for it on his line. But again, Glass the way Glass kind of carried that team in the last fifteen minutes was just out of the out of this world. And you know, his calmness, his calmness really, really struck me. And another thing, an interesting thing to also Michael that I I I I didn't read it in any detail, but he he was in Australia. I think from he was fifteen, and he talked about the strength and conditioning they did out there. But they never lifted anything above their own body weight, and as a consequence, he was putting that down to the fact that he was he was free from injury nearly all his career. Amazing, yes, interesting. That's point. amazing, Martin. Yeah, that's yeah, it's, yeah. it's a very good point, very valid point. Yeah, yeah. For us here, like we have guys pumping and iron, and cheese Mary and Joseph, <laughs> and you'd <they'll> be sorry <laughs> for the iron, <laughs> you know. I mean, did, yeah, yeah. Like it's, George,
1: that's yeah. a
2: that's a very that's a uh, interesting comment broadly, Martin, in terms of sport generally, because yes, um, as we all know, um, I'm a Manchester United fan, and they're not going through the best of times. But the, the, the number of injuries that Manchester United have had this year, um, you're saying to yourself, like, what's the
0: training regime here? That's you know, right. there's, there's so right. many players getting injured. That's right. That's right. And it's the same in Newcastle. They, the team with the, with the most money backing it, Michael, they yeah. have got so many players injured all year. I don't follow them or anything, but I just read kind of. Sure. Yeah. A an annual kind of bereavement, kind of count, so to speak, as how many are kind of unavailable for the next couple of games, you know, and that has to be down to your, right, to the training regimes they're undertaking.
2: Yeah, well, if if uh, Newcastle can get uh, Jose Mourinho out of the, the nice settings of Rome, then uh, things might change. But anyway, look, that's that's their
1: that's their issue. Let's talk you you, yeah. you. You'd warn them, Michael, in terms of those uh, Premiership players. <laughs> they do no, they don't they don't train anywhere near. Where the GA tra- player trains in terms of what they put themselves through in terms of the physicality side of it, so you'd wonder how they're getting so, they're injured so so often as well. <laughs> sure, yeah, what's what, <laughs> yeah,
2: but sure. Uh, well, no, I, the, the, to be fair, the, the most injured athletes statistically are people like runners and sprinters. Yeah. Yes. Now, they never hit anybody or hit, be hit by anybody. But it just—if you—if you bring a level of fitness, I'm not an expert in this, by the way, just a g- general thought, um, up to a level where even a small little thing can cause you a problem, kind of. No matter how fit you are. But anyway, look, at, that's the, the the problem of sprinters is not going to to solve that <laughs> in the next weekend and the week after <laughs> when the Alliance League starts. Um, yeah, you were very good at hundred yard dash, I, think, I believe, Michael. Yeah uh do you know what i was, I was. <laughs> I've, I've, gone, I've gone i've gone let's run back yeah yeah we used to know hang on you started it <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care
2: Yes, football uh, around the corner, and without without kind of big bias, and I, I I'm not towards any particular fixture. But you're looking, you can never ignore uh, a Galway Mayo match, uh, which is at the weekend, and uh, and that's one to look forward to from a Mayo point of view. Martin, um, they go to Salt Hill for their opening game against Galway, and then the following week I think they have Dublin.
0: So it's it's not the easiest of starts. It's not an easy start, Michael, and in general, like when you look at it, um, like it starts this weekend, like the finals of the national league are on the 34th of March. You're going to have seven games in nine weeks, and as you say, uh, from a male perspective you know, the need to win at least one of those two games because if you don't get a good start and, you know, you're playing catch-up from then on. Now, it was interesting the other day that there is forward Ryan O'Donoghue talked about the fact that they're not overly keen on winning the league this year. But mm. nonetheless, I'll tell you, when they go to Pierce Stadium on Sunday, that's one game, no matter when they go out and play, they'll want to win more than any. And they, they have a little record at the moment, Michael, that can uphold with Galway. And so far as last year, they played Galway three times. In the opening game of the league, the lost. they drew actually with them. But subsequently in the league final and in the cha- championship, they beat Galway narrowly. And... um Kevin McStay, um, last year, certainly, I, I think his, his year was a qualified success in that he got, a, he, he won a league final. But this year, I think the Mayo public are looking for more. Remember, Michael, from 2012 up to maybe, um, two years ago, Mayo public were in co Park for all Ireland semi-finals and finals on 18 occasions. It was a regular pilgrimage for Mayo people. Yeah. And, you know, they're the standards I think that Kevin McStay is going to be judged by is, is he going to get his players to semi-final and final stages of the championship? Because anything short of that, I think they will be, they'll be highly critical of him and there'll be a certain amount of pressure coming on his shoulders. So, but but, Martin, Martin, have, have Mayo now the team
2: to do that because back in the day there was some heartbreak. But, but I look back at those those Mayo teams of going back, whatever, five, the last five, ten years and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. They were desperately, player by player, you'd look around the pitch and say, these guys are good enough.
0: And it, ju- <laughs> it just didn't happen for them. Have they that quality of player now? I don't think they have... To be fair about it, um, you know, the, uh, of the old guard, the only two now, I think, well, there are three. There's the O'Connor brothers, Dermot and Killian. And Killian has had so many injuries in the last few yeah. years, particularly with his Achilles tendon. There's Aiden O'Shea up front. But basically they haven't got that quality that they would have had, say, from 30, from 2014 up to 2019. Now they, 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 um, it's against that, Mike. They had a run last summer, remember, they are in the championship to beat Kerry down in Killarney. I think first time team to beat uh, Kerry in a championship match in Killarney in a long, long time. But all of the players that played in that game, that started that game, are available to Kevin McStay this year. So mm. if we can bring them on a notch or two, up a notch or two from the standards that they set last year, then maybe he can get more joy than a lot of people down here are anticipating. But you're, you're perfectly right. The quality that was there in the past, the togetherness that was there, the teamwork that was there, and just the competitive edge that was there. I'm not sure just if it's there yet with the present group. And there's so many young lads who have come in in the last couple of years. They're still going to take maybe another, you know, year, 18 months before they kind of come close to reaching the levels maybe that are needed to complete at the top level. It's that to moss, I suppose,
2: that at this time of the year, we're having these kind of discussions and, you know, trying to look at who's capable of, uh, who isn't and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's still only, you know, still the end of, of, um, of January. So there's a long way to go. What, what from, from, let's say from a hurling point of view, what will counties be looking for in the next couple of weeks or month or two?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, uh, Michael. I mean, I'd say if we go back 12 months, I'd say we were having this conversation again in terms of the compactness of what's going on in terms of the deconte season. And uh, Martin, did you mention that it'll be over by the
0: 31st of the National Football League? Is it, is is it seven league. matches in nine weeks? You have seven matches in nine weeks. And if you reach the final, you have eight games in 10 weeks. Which is very, yeah. very I like the, remember, we, and remember, boss, and remember, if, yes. for example, you were Mayo or Galway and reached the league final, you're out the following weekend, Mayo in New York the following weekend. And I think, um, Galway, uh, no, I, I might be wrong with this one, but I definitely know that Mayo are in New York the following weekend. So there is no, shall we say, little kind of uh, period. Just to reassess, to reestablish yourself, and to refocus on your um, career ahead for the championship. And yeah, of course we and know like we the, know,
1: Martin, and we know exactly what happened with Mayo last year from that point yeah. of view.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and like it's the same. It's the same on the hurling side of it, right? So, look, we did mention about the strength and conditioning, and you know the injuries, and it it now seems the, the county guys are going back much earlier pre Christmas. They're back in training. Some of them in November right, because they have a strength and conditioning program going on. They're they're actually, if you're out of a club championship, you're part of that uh, strength and conditioning even throughout the summer months, right? Because I think a lot of teams found having the strength and conditioning and going straight from a gym to a field, they were picking Mm. up a fortune of injuries. So that's why they were looking at getting matches um, and like you, you wonder where it's all going to to end in terms of player welfare. The multi games that are coming for these guys, the training that's coming for these guys, and you're kind of, you're kind of saying to yourself, right? I'm delighted. <laughs> I read this morning that most of senior league will not be finished in terms of early, because if you looked at the last couple of weeks, the weather that was there and expecting players to go out and perform at a very high level and maybe impress management that I'm ready to uh, to actually put uh, the, an inter-county jersey on. I, th- I think it's very, very unfair, but it is what it is, and in terms of National League, who wants to win the National League at this stage in terms of what happened with me, or as Martin said last year, in terms of championship? It's the same with the hurling, Michael. You go in a National League campaign, and you're out, maybe the following week, in a round-robin series in hurling, and if it's Munster, so competitive, I think Teams maybe wanting to win one or two matches, and we'll be pulling back a little bit in with our heads all firmly fixed on championship. Because that, because that's coming very, very early as well this year. It is it's, it's, jumping, it's, jumping ahead a small bit, uh, Tomas and, and Martin, and,
2: and jumping past the league, if we may. Um, looking to the year ahead in hurling, Tomas, you know, we we all know how Limerick have dominated the scene for the last couple of years, and that. Where are they going to be at, do you think, in 2024,
1: and who is nearest to them? Yeah, look, I suppose um, it will be interesting to see what kind of uh, campaign Limerick take on in the league campaign, because um, last year, Michael, we discussed they won the National League, and you could have handed them out the All-Ireland back in March. They were so good, and they kind of struggled a little bit in the Munster Championship campaign, and... Uh, a one point win against Cork a draw and they were gone. They were gone from the All ireland series. So they 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 need to need the, the drive for five. The most important thing now for Limerick is the Munster Championship campaign. Getting out of Monster, getting to our getting to Crow Park and I think that applies to Cork as well. Um, we haven't got out of Monster for a while in terms of getting to Crow Park in terms of the last two years and, and, and we need to be doing that because um I think it, and you might think I'm biased here. I think Robbie Flynn coming back into the Cork equation, getting to a core park, I think momentum could start taking off for Cork. I'm expecting an awful lot of Cork this year because they've had minor success. They've had over the 20 success. There's a serious blend of experience as well. And I'm, I'm expecting an awful lot from them. And look, you go back and you're probably going to look at Galway. Shefflin needs to get something from there. And you look at Kilkenny. Kilkenny are always going to be Kilkenny. You know they're going to be there, going to be thereabouts. The big thing is, is there is, is there something? Is there a kick in Tipperary? Is there something in Waterford in terms of Davy and what's going on there? And the multiple players that have walked away from it, new guys coming back into the selection that have been away for a period of time. What's the morale like in the camp there? Can you turn that around in terms of performance? Um, it, it all to be seen, but the timing is everything here, yeah, Michael. It's the timing now in terms of your strength and conditioning, your physical fitness guys, your 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 psychologists, in terms of actually getting them right, peaking for the right matches at the right time, and getting to Crow Park because you have a little bit of leeway. Once you get to Crow Park, a good number of teams are gone, and there could be serious threats that you might have thought have been there from the outset are gone, and uh, momentum can take off. And I think look, Limerick are the team to beat again. Limerick are the team to beat. Maybe they need to find. Two or three challengers to the existing 15 that are there. Maybe the likes of Declan Hannon at number six uh, m- might be coming to the end of his time in terms of he's been there a long time. What a service, what an ambassador for them. And uh, I'm sure behind the scenes they're looking at, can we have a, can we find a replacement number six? And maybe somebody up front to put a threat on the forward line again, that's, that that six forwards that they have, somebody put their hands up. And I think that's what John Coyle would look to find in the National League campaign. And Martin, from a football point
0: of view, how do you see it? Well, look at Michael, what we're looking at, we're looking at Dublin and Kerry, obviously, uh, Derry uh, in the equation as well, Galway and Mayo and Jerome. I think, again, what you're looking at basically is, um, seven out of the eight, um, in Division one, uh, teams having a chance, as well as that probably in Division two from the Division two teams, um, Armand, Donegal, I think, um, are, it could be in the mix. But the incentive for Dublin is, is uh, you know, is manyfold. For example, three guys there: Simon, Stephen, Clarkson and John McCarthy or uh, Jim McCarthy rather. If they play, if they kind of go ahead this year, they're going. To, uh, they're hoping to win their tenth All Ireland medal, which is quite remarkable, uh, Michael, when you think about it. And um, Kerry, um, last year, okay, they'll be very disappointed in the way things um, kind of ended up against uh, Dublin in the All Ireland final. But I still think Jack O'Connor will get that little bit of extra if he can get, uh, get out of his team, rather, if he can get a midfielder. I think Jack Barry has gone on his travels this year, so he's not going to be available to them. But if, if they, if, if the Clifford brothers up front can play to their best, they will be formidable again. But it they, the one that I'm fascinated with is the whole Derry conundrum. Like Derry last year, I think it, I can't recall it, but I think they lost the semi-final to Kerry by 117 to 116. Now, taking on Mickey Hart was just quite remarkable. Like, Mickey had been in charge of Louth. He had taken them up to Division Two of the league. I think everybody was looking forward to, you know, a year where maybe he might bring them up a notch or two extra. But his, uh, you know, we saw the reaction with Joe and a number of other people with his appointment. And it will be fascinating to see... How well he can get into the heads of the players. You know, how readily they will accept him. And can he actually kind of get that little bit of extra from Derry that will actually win them in All-Ireland. Remember last year, again, as I said, they came very close they had done very well under Rory Gallagher in previous years. But his appointment his appointment to me is quite remarkable. And that to me is going to be where an awful lot of tension is to vote this year in in the football is to you know there's a lot of pressure on Derry in that respect. You know, Glenn within the All Ireland Club and all of that has maybe added the ex you know the sense of expectation that is a bit higher. But from the outsiders, you know, they haven't won one since 1993. They would be the most likely. Now, your own county might Galway. You know, if Galway could get Shane Walsh and Damian Cobra playing in tandem and playing to their best, to me, they have a, 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 a fabulously gifted group of players. I watched the Singers last week, actually, NUIG playing, and there was a young Macaulay lad playing midfield for them, a McLaughlin lad. We might remember his grandfather, I think, was it Joe McLaughlin in the early 70s? But right, you know, yeah. I, I think they have the basis of a very, very good team, and they will be highly competitive. Horik is probably, again, uh, keen on maybe just discovering a few new players in the National League, but certainly his mind, his emphasis, his focus is going to be totally on getting out of Connacht, getting a number one seed in the All-Iron series and taking it from there. But they also will be a realistic contender. So those four, Michael, Kerry, Dublin, Derry and Galway, will be my top four, actually, for an All-Ireland series this year. Well, we await and see. But as I said,
2: we have the league to deal with first. But we have a couple of other things. Uh, one thing in particular to to talk about, gentlemen, uh, going through the fixture list for the Hurling and the football, the Alliance League, next weekend and the weekend after one thing that struck me as you're going down through the list fairly obviously uh, the venues for for matches and the number of grounds around the country these days of course who have a title sponsor uh, along with their name and this has been very much gentlemen and Tomas in particular uh, (laughs) in the
0: news (laughs) over to you (laughs) Tomas now take it up boy Uh,
1: and if you spare apples and oranges huh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gentlemen, and Tomas, you, you first, obviously, because this, this debate has, has kind of centered around Porky Grieve, obviously. And, and I saw, uh, Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, saying, uh, recently that, that the government might even look at this kind of thing, because if they're giving grants to, to county gr- grounds and that kind of stuff about the whole naming rights issue and all that, what do you make of it, seeing that A, we're talking about the car county grounds and B, let's face it, we're talking about a car company.
1: Yeah, and Michael, uh, I was interested with the with the, the the political um injection, as they say, from Leo Bradger and Mial Martin again, obviously a cork man and his son involved with the car footballers in terms of um the money that was that was sent by, by government in terms of the grant process. Um I'm sure Kibner Dominan and, and Parky Queen wouldn't mind a, a little knock at the door and uh, throwing another check. Their <laughs> way, <laughs> we'd still call it Parky Queef if they could clear that date, <laughs> and uh, maybe that that might be an incentive for them. Um But no, look, Michael, I'm involved with a car with, with with one cork, right? It's a kind of um, it's the commercial entity below within Parky Queef to look at to to look at all areas of um, generating revenue stream. And um, the grassroots, the coaching structures, everything that's involved in the GA in the modern world we're living in, in terms of commercialism and stuff as well. And, uh, look, with Parky Queers bit, naming rights was always on the table. So if you go around the country and you see Kingspan, Brefney Park, and you see FBD, Semple Stadium, and you see Tuas, Gaelic grounds, and you see, I mean, I was asking guys, uh, Northern Park, but should Northern Park is there? There's no naming rights in Northern Park. It's there, there's, their heritage and their history with GA, they never have name rights. I said, look it up. It's UPMC Northern Park. So, right. party queef is no different, right? Um, sure. You'd love to be able to say, yeah. Uh, and I, I'd like to to, to, to put it on record. Yeah, the party P's name should be kept. And it could, and a and super Value party queef, I have no issues whatsoever on that basis. I would hope that common sense prevails and that's what happens. Um because the revenue stream is so important. Um, like we've, we spoke of the last 12 months in terms of preparing into county the teams, the cost levels that it's gone to. Um, you, you look at the grounds, the, the maintenance, the running of stadiums at this stage. It's a massive, massive, uh, business at this stage, right? And every penny that Cork GA can get in, they need to take. And that's in terms of commercial advertising around the pitch side of things, your, your, your jersey sponsorship your naming rights adding to that as well and look I, I i think they're getting the steel to be honest which is super value um for the money that's being bandied about i think they're getting that steel and um very much so, you, know, very much so. you know you know you can you, you you kind of look at it and you say to yourself um um it's a car brand which is absolutely fantastic giving massive employment to to, to the car public and countrywide as well are steeped in terms of GEA sponsorship because there are the All-Ireland Series uh, brand sponsor in terms of football. And like so, Michael, there's so much involved in all the communities. In every car community, there's a, a Super Value or a Central, right? And that's the most great uh, uh, brand that's out in Tramore Road. So I think it's a perfect fit. Um, you'd love to say that they would pay the same money. That was on the table for Super Value Park as for Parky uh or Super Valley Parky Queve, but I believe there might be a bit of a, uh, uh, a discussion to be had on that basis but I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity and hopefully it's resolved and it's put to bed because look it's no different to what's going on all over, all over the country uh, revenue streams are becoming so important to everybody and I said to people and I said to people during the week Michael if Crow Park was owned by Dublin GA would there be naming rights on it? Mm. Yes, yes, yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah. Martin, finally a comment from you on this
0: topic. What do you think about it all? Well, look at it. Uh, it's just no more than most looking at other pitches around the country. You have a few boxes, athletic grounds, that you have in, in, uh, in Armagh. You have Netwatch, Cullen Park in, in Carlo and Chadwick's Wexford Park in Wexford. The reason I'm saying these, Michael, in Mayo, you have Hastings Insurance. Yeah, McHale Park. None of them dropped the name of the original uh, ground. Yeah, and I think that is one of the mistakes that that actually kind of and did in this, or the leak that we got about it that they were to drop uh, the they the name O'Keefe o- O'Kee from it. And to me, that was a terrible betrayal of of what Patrick O'Keefe did for the GAA in court and nationally. And but at the same time, I agree with Thomas. There is and need to generate revenue, you know, year on year. That, uh, you know, when you look at the debt, uh, that you haven't caught 30 million of, of a debt, you know, l- last year, the running losses in, in the park itself were 2.6 million. That's just eye watering stuff. But to most, I might be wrong on this, but am I right in saying that super value were prepared to offer, was it 200,000 a year to court? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, the region of two
0: hundred to 250,000 or 300,000 a year. Yeah, yeah. but I can't, I can't get over that. I can't get over how Cork undersold themselves in that, how they were prepared to accept that amount. You know, the other thing, and this is madness maybe what I'm saying, and just given this, the, the enormity of what it is, you know, there'd be a, a wonderful gesture on part of the Munster Council and the likelihood of this happening, of course, is zilch. But if for one year, all of the monster hurling championship matches were played in Cork, in Keefe, What to be prepared to do that? It's easy as this, but right? you're up with mail. <laughs> Best of luck with that one, Martin. <laughs> 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 I had my visa and passport, God, you're ready to leave. Yeah, well, I'd, I'd I'd set up, I would, I was just
1: going to to you back. Go to the next monster council meeting, Martin, and suggest yes. I like it. <laughs> that to you.
0: Yeah. I was you, were say, earlier, you were talking earlier about what
2: Graeme's head had been re- paraded <laughs> around you want to, Exactly, I was just going <laughs> to say to Martin, Martin, just be careful some of the towns you drive through in Munster for the next 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> we
0: couldn't You'll, get the clearbys coming down last year, Martin. That's right. That's <laughs> You see, and I don't mean there's no wrong way to most, but Cork is geographical, very peripheral in many respects. You know, to get new to get games with neutral teams so so to speak, that would attract forty and fifty you know, 30 and forty thousand and as you said last year, they wouldn't go down there. Yeah, and yeah. the wouldn't travel there, isn't that correct? I mean
1: you know? there, there is there is an awful lot of good work going on behind the scenes there, Martin. There's an awful lot of people involved, they're very senior business people involved, they're trying to yeah. trying to do the best that's there, but it's difficult. Oh, yeah. Covid, Covid was a bit of a disaster. No concerts, right? Um, and yeah. I think there's only one concert there this year, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. One or two monster championship matches. It needs more games. Probably needs a couple of um, if you got a quarterfinals in terms of uh, a monster pairing, hurling wise, that it would be here rather than Crow Park, maybe or something like that, right? So it it, it needs it need big it needs big events like that, and yeah. it needs a few other things to happen. Yeah, I agree. Look, thirty million is is is, is a lot, right? But yeah, there's a few things in the pipeline to say that that could be reduced and re- reduced a good bit if, if the, if, if the sale of land and stuff like that, that they have yeah. happens within the next couple of months and stuff like that as well. So it wouldn't be a burden on everybody, right? Because it is, it is a massive, massive burden. It is. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And the one yeah. thing that you would, the one thing that you don't want to affect is the player side of it or what's happening in the player side of it or the commitment to the players in terms of funding. And that's not the case because, I mean, people could argue that, right? And Cork will argue in terms of football, John, clearly, right in the hurling. If we don't do exactly the same as what Limerick are doing or a Dublin football are doing or a Kerry football are doing, we'll be left behind completely. And it will be like the premiership with your your Manchester City and your Liverpool And they're pushing ahead of everybody else. And if Cork don't keep up in terms of spend, in terms of the the intercounty status, I might like it in terms of where where, the big money that's been spent. Or other people might like it. But if you don't, you're going to be left behind. Unfortunately.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like it's like that saying. It's like that saying, gentlemen, if you stand still, you're falling behind. Yeah, uh, absolutely, Michael. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah. I, I, and yet you see the problem. Then you 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 see the arguments from the other side, Michael. would say, for example, the likes of John Prenti in his secretary's report this year in Connacht, talked about the cost of kind of, uh, shall we say, financing the teams in Connacht came to something in excess of six million, which is sure, a huge well. a, a huge uh, sum of money. But you're right in saying, unless you actually are prepared. To match the best in terms of the management groups you have, in terms of, you know, how you treat your players, the welfare you, that you have for your players, then you're going to fall behind completely.
1: Yeah. There, Martin, there are serious concerns out there. Where Where is all this going to end? You know, this
0: crop. I am being? convinced the only thing that is missing in all of it is the whole thing of players being paid. Yeah. Now that might sound ridiculous, but that's... Well, that's the only thing that is missing in the entire equation. You have got backroom teams being paid handsomely. You have officials. Okay. There, there's a massive amount of voluntary work uh, being done. There is no doubt about it. But the, 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 I'm just wondering when is the push for pay going to come from the player groups? And uh, I know at the moment, um, travel wise, they get 70 pence a mile. Or seventy cents a mile, and uh, all of that. But they're the people that are providing the entertainment. They're the people that are attracting the uh, the, 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 uh, the the audiences. When are we going to have maybe an uprising there? When are we going to have a group that's saying we're not playing could any I, longer? Could I, could I ask you? Paid. Could I ask you then, Martin? Are you for players to be paid? No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm against so your, point, it, your point. So your point is. Well, my point is basically I still beca- personally I am against a- 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 seeing them being paid but I do think myself that the w- there there will be a room that will at some stage say we're not prepared to play any longer unless we are paid. I hope that doesn't come but my fear is that it might. Okay. Well, I suppose that what Martin and,
2: and Tomas that has been kind of if you like sort of on the cards, you know, for, for quite a while now and it hasn't happened yet but that's a uh... That's a different debate, if you like, and uh, it's one that uh, we might return to again, obviously, through the year. Um, gentlemen, I'm going to draw out this because we've had a great chat, and if the rest of the chats that we have through the year are, are anything to go by, then we're in, in good shape. Just as as we were talking on that last topic there, just by, by chance, I was looking at a, um, a magazine that was here in front of me on the table, and there's an article on Max Verstappen the Formula One champion, uh, who's actually paid to boss 40 million a year. <laughs> so, could I suggest that somebody down on Cork there send him a letter and say, Dear Max, <laughs> 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 we're we'll looking for real we'll sugar daddy, you'll hardly, you'll so we'll so hardly we'll spend, you'll spend the 40 million in six We're we'll <laughs> looking for a sugar daddy, Michael. So, if you don't, I swear to i over not. there, will you? gentlemen we're going to close it out thank you very much for your time I've really enjoyed it Uh, thank you to everybody for listening we'll be back again with the next episode uh, in another week or two so um, hope to talk to you then thank you